Psycho Steve presents. Hey guys and girls and everything in between, it's your podcasting pal. Psycho Steve here on Hair Today, Gone Tomorrow. Today, we are fortunate and blessed to have one of my very, 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 very favorite musicians coming out of the town and the country and the state of confusion, Mr. Dan, the man, Lorenzo. How the hell are you, sir? I didn't hear enough varies. Are you sure? Uh, Thank you, Steve. What a very nice introduction. Absolutely. So, first of all, I just want to say to everybody that doesn't know you, I've known you for a long ass time, and I'm going to date both you and I. Not saying we're dating because you're married, I have a girlfriend. I'm saying dating as far as in how long we've known each other. I remember back in the day when you had two bands that were fortunate and blessed to be on WSOU. Seton Hall's Pirate Radio. And if anybody doesn't know what that is, that is Seton Hall University out of East Orange, New Jersey, a very amazing rock and metal radio station. The bands were Hades and Nonfiction. And you remember I, that far back? Yeah, bro. Wow. And then also, I used to sell your stuff when you guys brought it to me at the record center on Route 18 in East Brunswick. Really? Now, who was that that brought you? I don't remember selling anything out of there. Who brought it to me? I'm thinking who brought it to me. Maybe your label. Hmm, okay. Okay, but yeah. So now we're going to talk about the amazing band that you're in, which is my favorite band of 2018. I'm talking about Vessel of Light. My favorite band, too, Vessel of Light. Awesome. So first of all, I need to know, how did the name come about? Well, uh, you know, the hardest damn thing when picking a name is uh, finding something original. Like, uh, you know, I also was in uh, The Curse with Bobby Blitz from Overkill, and that record came out in 2007. In 2006, Blitz said, let's call it The Curse. And I'm like, yeah, fine, man. And then, like, you Google The Curse, The Curse, and there's a couple other bands, but, you know, they're like garage bands or maybe a punk band from Canada that broke up years ago. But basically, for Vessel of Light, I have to give all credit to Nathan Opposition, the singer and drummer for Vessel of Light. Um, I discovered Nathan probably less than two years ago, uh, searching the internet for a doom band from uh, Austin, Texas, and I found a band called Ancient Wisdom. So I became a fanboy of Ancient Wisdom, and I was emailing Nathan and eventually calling him, and we got along well enough. And then one day he said, hey, man, let's start a band. And we said, what are we going to call it? So Nathan said, what about Vessel? I said, love it. So we Googled Vessel, and there was another band called Vessel. So he said, how about Vessel of Light? I Googled that, and there was no other band called Vessel of Light. So we're off to a start with at least an original name, if nothing else. Awesome. Now, Vessel of Light, does it have any meaning behind it? Yeah, it kind of does. Um, so Nathan's a Satanist, and I'm a Catholic. I go to church on Sundays. I have a Jesus tattoo, and Nathan's uh, last person that he collaborated with before me was actually Charles Manson before Charles died, obviously. Um, wow. Nathan likes the dark things in life, and he released a split inch with Charles Manson uh, before he went on the tour with Ghost. Uh, Ancient Wigan used to open up for Ghost, and, and Nathan and his brother, Michael, 
they're Satanists, which sounds incredibly scary unless you really ask them or look into it. They're basically similar to me. Like, they don't want to bother anybody. They don't want to harm animals, so we don't eat meat. And, um, you know, there's kind of a lot of similarities. It's basically about being a good person. So when we started Vessel of Light, I said to Nathan, I said, just please don't write any pro-Satan lyrics. I can't have that. So he's like, well, what should I write about? I said, my wife, Jean, and I are really in a forensic file. So Vessel of Light is kind of like... When somebody thinks they're so religious, they're they're doing something that they think is good, but it's really not so good. Nice. Well, I mean, you just answered two of my questions as far as in how you guys got together, and then, uh, and for example, so now you're out of questions, right? Now I got to come up with a question. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> now, since you guys both live out of state and everything, it's not the easiest to collaborate you know you can text you can talk on the phone you can FaceTime or Skype these days but when it's coming down to laying down the actual lyrics music everything do you go to him do you, does he come here or is it sometimes both or well, email first thing we did is um, I uh, I mailed him some CDRs because this is pathetically embarrassing for a man who's advanced as you who has his own podcast I don't even know how to make a fucking MP3. So I mail CDRs to Cleveland and Nathan listens to them. And then before we uh, recorded anything, before we recorded our, our debut EP, I drove out to Cleveland and we had a rehearsal. Then we had another rehearsal and then I drove back out a month later and we actually recorded. But basically Nathan's in charge of the lyrics, the melody lines, and I'm in charge of the music. And uh, we kind of like, don't step on each other's toes. We just have a really, really good relationship where there's not a lot of conversation that needs to be had about what should go where as far as verse, chorus, or whatever. Um, sometimes I'll ask him, I said, hey, man, would you mind if we did it this way? And he'll come to me and say, would you mind if I, you know, we should probably have this verse happen again before the chorus or whatever. So it's been incredibly easy, but we basically go back through the mail and discuss some things over the phone. We've only had two rehearsals together, you know, so. And you guys uh, have already played a couple dates together too, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I'm going to tell you, I'll debut here. We're going to be playing a show in at your local club, Dingbats, in May. Not until May, but it's, I believe it's Friday, May 3rd. We're playing Dingbats, so Nathan will fly out here. We did our first show a month ago, opening up for Life of Agony at the uh, Bowery Ballroom. Actually, that was in September, which is over a month already. But we're going to uh, do a couple shows, one of which I can't announce yet because it's a festival. But, yeah, we're going to do a little run in May of next year. And we're going to try and get Nathan out here before then and hopefully open up to Overkill or somebody. One of my friend's bands hopefully will take mercy upon us and uh, let Vessel of Light open for them. Bobby Blitz is a huge fan and Dee Dee Bernie from Overkill. They love Vessel of Light. So I'm hoping they'll have a New York City show before May. But if not, we're going to be playing Dingbats and a couple run of dates in May with Vessel of Light. That's awesome. Now, you said you did all the music and he wrote all the lyrics. I know right. you're a very talented guitarist and bass player and everything, and you said he played drums, but on the album, did you both just say, okay, I'm going to lay down the vocal tracks, and then you're like, okay, I'll do the guitar and bass, and then he did the drum tracks, and that was it? Well, you know what? My whole life, I've never did a record this way before, but Woodshed was actually recorded where I did all the guitars and bass first to a click track. I sent out, or the studio sent my files out to Cleveland, and then Nathan played drums on them. 
And then when Nathan played drums, I said, you know what? I might have to change a couple bass lines out because now, now maybe the bass was either out of tune or it just seemed it seemed like the song needed the bass to move a little more. So I recut a couple of the bass tracks. So then we had guitars, bass, and drums finished, and then Nathan went, Nathan went in and he did his vocals. There was maybe one or two songs where I said, hey, man, I think you can do something a little different vocally here. And he went in and he just killed it. I mean, I just, I'm so impressed with how talented he is, how easy he is to work with. And uh, I really believe Nathan Opposition is a songwriting genius. Right on. Well, I, like I said before, I've known that you play guitar and beats. Is there any other instrument that you know how to play? Uh, no, I know how to play basketball, horribly. I know how to sell for a living. I'm a salesman. You know, I don't have a lot of talent, Steve. I, and a lot of people, you know, I never think of myself as a musician. I'm not like a an Ingve or even a Dave Mustaine as far as, you know, I'm not a great lead guitar player, but I like my style, and I think it's fairly original, and I, I really consider myself just a songwriter, so I'm a guitar player who also can play bass uh, fairly well. Cool. So then when Vessels on the Light opened up for Life of Agony, of course, Nathan was on vocals. Did he do the whole Bill Collins, Don Henley no. kind of thing? No. What we did is we recruited the uh, old drummer from Hades and Overkill, Ron Lipnicki, who's awesome. been my buddy for many years, and my one of my very best friends in the world, Jimmy Shulman, who uh, was in Hades with me for about four of the albums. Jimmy uh, lives in New York City, and uh, he is now the touring bass player for uh, Vessel of Light, and Ron is a drummer. That's fantastic. It sure is, isn't it, Steve? Yeah. And like I said, I really, I, I, I just recently, and no offense, just took it out of my girlfriend's car and <laughs> CD player. I'm I got very offended. You only listened to it for two and a half months in a row since I gave it to you. That's horrible. Yeah, I think if it was a vinyl or it was a cassette, it would have been like I would have been annoying you again to get another copy. I, I really that's how often. Yeah, I was just like, because the production on it, uh, and I can hear all your influences from back in the day, and also, the, like you said, oh, you did a show with Life of Agony. You guys are right. definitely, you know, you hear the Life of Agony, you hear the Danzig, you hear um, Typo, you hear Alice in Chains because of the harmonies, you know, all the hollowness and the darkness, it's just... Jay, you know, you got to take a listen to it, and everybody has to take a listen to it. Oh, yeah, I definitely will. On our music. So. Yeah, and we, I don't know if we said this yet. The record is called Woodshed, and uh, the funny thing, if you say maybe that something sounds a little bit like like Life of Agony, to me that's so funny because Life of Agony used to open up for us. And when I when I had a band called well the band you mentioned called Nonfiction, and Joey Z would come up on stage and say, "Man, how do you get that guitar sound?" And I was thinking like, "Who, who the hell is this Brooklyn Guido? What does he care how I get my guitar sound?" You know. And it ends up ends up years later being Joey Z, but uh, Life of Agony opened up for nonfiction a bunch back in the day, and obviously they surpassed us on every level. And uh, we asked them if we could please open up for them in New York City, and they were gracious enough. Plus, uh, there was a band called Silver Tune, which is two of the guys, Kenny and Johnny from Typo Negative, and they really kicked ass. If you ever heard of the band Silver Tune, if you haven't heard of them, you're going to hear about them soon because they're going to be they're going to be big, I think. Yeah, and then also didn't they also have another band together besides Typo and Silver? Yeah, but I think right now Silver Tomb is just their project. That's what they they're doing together now. I mean, Johnny's in a bunch of bands. He plays bass for Danzig, you know, and uh, Cookers and Blow. Right. Um, yeah. Kenny, Kenny, who's like the for Typo. 
But yeah, Kenny played type uh, guitar for Typo and Silver Tumors. I guess assume it, I assume it's his project. Um, I'm, I'm assuming he's the main songwriter, but it's really, really heavy, great stuff. Absolutely. So, any family members in your in your family, either mom or dad's side, or either your mom or dad musicians? Uh, no, my my uh, father's been deceased for many years because he smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. He's been gone since 1982. But my grandfather was a musician. He was a Guinea from Italy, and he played the accordion. Um, that's the only person in my family that I know of that ever played any instrument. And I, he, he died about a year before I was born. But um, the nonfiction record in the know actually starts off with 30 seconds of my grandfather playing the accordion in 1958. Wow, that's freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what kind of car do you drive? A Dodge Challenger. The last eight years, I've had the Dodge Challenger. Uh, I really like it. Um, I had a silver one, which I really loved, and now I have a black one, which I love a little bit less. But it's the first car I actually ever owned that I paid off and kept, you know, kept using it. Not usually I. I trade in or sub my car every like three or four years because I get nervous because I'm not good with cars. So I usually trade in cars after I have like 50,000 miles on it and buy another one. But uh, my uh, last Dodge Challenger, I went over 100,000 mark on it. And the new one, I did 40,000 miles in less than two years, Steve. I think I drive too much. No, that's good. The cars are meant to be driven, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Now, do you have the Hemi in it? No, you know why? It's so much more to insure. When it's raining or dark, I drive like an old man. But if I had a Hemi, dude, I, it would be it would be trouble. I hear you. Right on. Okay. Uh, what's in your CD player right now? Oh uh, man, CD players have become a thing of the past, right? But uh, I do. I don't have one in my car, unfortunately. Because when I bought my new Dodge Challenger, they told me they don't freaking put CDs in new cars anymore. But the last thing last week, I listened to La Coca Nostra a whole bunch. Okay. I listened to uh, Merciful Fate, Don't Break the Oath. Uh, I really was into that. And I almost always, always play along with the old Kiss and old Aerosmith. That's still like my favorite shit to play along with. I know you like the Cassius King stuff I did as well, right? The, uh, uh, yeah, the cover absolutely. I did. Yes. I did that with Jimmy Shulman and Ronald Mickey. You know, that was just for fun before the Best World Life CD came out. Right. And I told you when we spoke and everything, and I will definitely uh, have Jay um, get it ready. Yeah. That when you did That's cool. Larger Than Life, you did it better than the actual band. I, I don't like, know about that, but that's very nice of you. There's actually a video on YouTube, uh, Large in the Life. It's called Cassius King, Large in the Life. Yeah, people should check that out. Awesome. We definitely will now that we know you have a YouTube video of that. So now, as we said, you brought up two of your bands that you used to be. You know, that's where I knew you from, and a lot of right. fans that listen to my show knew you from. Uh, do you guys still talk? Yeah, I talk with, I mean, look, Jimmy Shulman's my bass player. I was just texting back and forth with Ed Furman. Right. Uh, Scott LePage met my, him and his wife met my wife and I in, uh, in Key West last year. Um, so yeah, I pretty much talk with everybody in the band. Out of nonfiction in Hades, I talk with most of the guys on a fairly regular basis, yes. Awesome. Cool. So you guys didn't really end it in a bad way, you just... Decided, no, uh, I just think, I just feel like Hades' last record was Damnation. I feel like we maybe took a step backwards. I thought Hades' the downside was the best record we had done with that uh, with the new formed Hades when we were on Metal Blade. 
Um, but yeah, it's just not, and it's not something I'm looking to revisit now. I, we, ha- we just constantly get offers by Hades to get back together. But I mean, right now, it's just, I, my head is just not into playing thrash metal, honestly, Steve. Right. Okay. Right. I respect that. All right. Now, you mentioned Kiss, and of course, you mentioned Aerosmith, as you heard, and everybody has been blowing my phone up like a tick about the end of the road tour. Right. Are you going? I don't think so because I went to their last end of the road tour 20 years ago when Ace Freely was playing and I was really into it. And, uh, you know, I've seen some videos where Paul doesn't sound quite like he did the old days. So would I pay tickets? Would I pay money for tickets to see this tour? Honestly, no. If I got in for free, I would absolutely go. But, um, I, you know, I had, I, my, my favorite thing to do, or my favorite, one of my favorite things to do musically is play along with the old Kiss records. Um, to go see them live, eh, not really, but I am going. I actually paid for tickets to go see Joe Perry in New York City in December, so... And that's um, with uh, who else is playing in his band? That's with Gary Cerrone, if I can remember right. Correct. Yeah, it was kind of surprised me and Brad Whitford, which was a nice was a nice surprise. Yeah, so I'm yeah. going to that. But they, oh, are you going to go see Kisses Under the Road? Uh, I am discussing it because the bucket list is now that I'm a proud papa of two little monsters, Jack and Charlie, right. uh, and my dad took me to my first Kiss concert, and, I, and they've been asking me. They're nine and a half and six and a half. Dad, and they saw him on uh, America's Got Talent. And, you know, they see videos because hi, look who their dad is, and show them and kind of brainwash them. They've been asking me repeatedly, like every day I speak to them. So, Dad, are we going? Are we going? (laughs) All right. You know, so I I might have to, you know, there is talk about going. Just the tickets are kind of steep. That doesn't work out. You can just see Vessel of Lighted Thing that's in there. Oh, absolutely. I would check them anyway. (laughs) You know? Right. So. All right, and now, so what was your first instrument, guitar or bass? Guitar. In March of 1978 was the first time I picked up a guitar. Cool. What kind of guitar was it? Um, it was called a Cameo, which nobody knows about, but about a year after that, uh, my father, we didn't have a lot of money, but somehow he sprung like $700 from me on a Dean Elite, and wow. on the back of the first Hades album is me playing a Dean, and uh, there's a guy named Dimebag Daryl who ended up playing Dean a couple of years later. Nice. Yeah. You know, I have a dog named Dimebag Daryl. Did you? No, I did not know that. Yeah, he's a little chihuahua pug. So, very nice. Yeah. And I was at Dime's funeral. So, I told you. Right. Uh, speaking of that guitar, do you still own it? No, I got rid of it many years ago. There was a there was a time where I literally would sell everything I had just to have a meal. Back from like 1984 to 1994, I was absolutely the poorest person you knew, and I would like not have enough money. Always, I didn't always have enough money to use. Uh, like I, I wouldn't have a quarter to drive home on the Garden State Parkway. That's how poor I was. So, at wow. some points over the years, I sold everything I had. And I was, you know, trying to be a musician, and it was really fun, and I was poor, and I really wasn't probably that unhappy, but I kind of got over that in 1994. I got a job writing and selling advertising for Stepping Out Magazine, and fortunately, I haven't been poor since then, thankfully. Uh, guitar. What do you own now, and what is your go-to guitar? Like, Well, I, I, live, I always play a Les Paul Custom. That's definitely my favorite guitar. 
But when I'm playing along with records, I'll use, uh, I have a couple of Epiphones I use uh, for higher tunings because most of the bands I love tune to E or E flat. So uh, I don't like to tune my guitars back and forth. So I have a couple of uh, Epiphones I use for playing along with the records and I use the uh, Gibson Les Paul for recording and for live purposes. Awesome. All right, and what kind of amps do you use? Um, I right now I have a pig nose in my house, but when I play live or when I record, uh, particularly when I record, I use whatever's at the studio. Uh, Vessel of Light Woodshed, I use PD amplifiers and a Marshall head. And live, I'll usually use a Marshall JCM 900 and Marshall cabinet. Very nice. Thank okay. you. No, no problem. I wasn't sure if you were going to say you're going to bust out a JCM 800 or something like that. I have used those. Yeah, those are cool too. But um, you know, I live in a condo; it's two floors, and I couldn't really have Marshalls in my house. It'd be ridiculous. But uh, so a lot of the playing I do when I write songs is with headphones on, with a, a little Zoom recording unit, so you have a bunch of different guitar sounds on there, but nobody else, you know, outside of the house can hear you playing. You know, so, gotcha. Well, I tell everybody if it's too loud, you're too old. I live on the seventh floor exactly. in a high rise, and whatever. All right. Here's another. Thing wacky question if you had an opportunity to play with any musician dead or alive to either play out record or just to jam with who would it be with and why I would love to jam with Ron Scott um, ACDC Highway to Hell is my favorite album of all time uh, if it wasn't Bon Scott you know now that you say that I was my mind initially goes to dead people Okay. So, and I was going to say Wendy and Williams, but the more I think about it, I would love to uh, write with Stephen Tyler and tell him to let all the corny ass songwriters stay out of the room. Maybe Stephen Tyler and I write an old school Aerosmith song together. Nice. Did you like uh, old Aerosmith? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I go back from like you know, I would say late seventies with them, right before they you know took a little hiatus. Oh, okay, yeah. But I bet your producer, when he hears us talking about Aerosmith, I bet he doesn't know how cool they were in the 70s, right? Yeah, you know? I hear you, I hear you. No, I'm a fan also. (laughs) Yeah, but but did you you know Aerosmith was cool in the 70s? Yeah, yeah, I know. One of my first songs I ever learned on the guitar was an Aerosmith song. What song? Don't tell me Love in an Elevator. No, 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 no. (laughs) It was Dream On. Okay. Dream on. All right. Yeah. That's the very first album. Yeah. I mean, you know, I hate when I tell people I like Aerosmith and Kiss and they think that I like Love, it, Love in the Elevator or, you know, whatever Kiss songs. Like, you know, the, the old stuff was really, really, really cool, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Good. And how old is the producer man over there? Is he a young man? How old are you? <laughs> Me? <laughs> I'm 39. <laughs> All right. Well, you're not too young. So, um, right? That's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too young. I, you know, you know, some I, cool old, old bands. But I grew up. Yeah, I grew yeah. up listening to like older music, also. So right. uh, that's cool. So I'm like, I'm like, I guess I'm well versed in in a lot of different like um, periods of time and, and genres. So awesome. you know, my father used to love Frank Sinatra. So I'll sometimes be walking on the boardwalk and I hear, hear some old guinea playing fucking Sinatra and I love it. You know? <laughs> I was just listening to it yesterday. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so he didn't write his own songs, but he definitely had some great interpretations of his songs and and uh, I, I probably love a bunch of his uh, cover songs, you know? 
Cool. Well, we just interviewed uh, Bruce Kulick, the former lead guitarist of Kiss, for the yeah, yeah. anniversary show, and we were yeah. talking about Sinatra because he's really? a Sinatra fan. Yeah. You know, I met Kulick once. It's so funny because uh, me and Jimmy Shulman are both turning 56 in the next couple months, but Bruce uh, was in, in the band Grand Funk Railroad. Yeah. And we went to see them backstage at the Bergen Pack in Englewood, and, and Jimmy <laughs> walked up to Kulick and we said, hey, man, cool show. He's like, Oh man, it's so nice to have some young people here. And we turned around like, what the fuck is he talking about, young people? And we, but he meant that we were like the, probably the youngest people in the Bergen Pack that night, you know? Nice. Yeah. So, and I was telling him that I got to see Sinatra for his 75th birthday. Did you? No yeah. way. Yeah, I took my grandmother and my parents. And coincidentally, I sat next to Jean, Diana Ross, and Liza Minnelli. Because Jean used really? to manage. Liza Minnelli, he yeah. used to date Diana Ross, right? And he and he, he was also a big fan. Yeah, so wow. that's awesome. Yeah. It was really cool, you know. And my you grandma loved it. I didn't think yeah. you would know who Frank Sinatra was, you know. Wow, great! <laughs> nice. I love right. duets, you know. Awesome. I love the duets that he did with Barbara Streisand. That's one of awesome. songs, you know. Really? I love all, all right. the singers, you know. I like him, so, Tony Bennett. And that's probably why you like Vessel of Light so much, because you have a wide breadth of musical knowledge. Yes. And useless information, as most people right. say. Or I was actually, someone, a fan actually called me the Wikipedia of rock and metal. Yeah, and my parents grilled me in listening to Engelbert Humperdinck and Elvis. What's, what's New Pussycat and Tom Jones, yeah, right? Tom Jones, yeah. Uh, I met, what's his name, Neil Sedaka. Nice. You know, he wrote a big hit for, you know, and Paul Anka, I saw him in concert. Very cool. Uh, Paul and Wayne Newton in Atlantic City, you know, that kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Because my grandma was a professional musician for a oh, long time. Oh, okay. Yeah, she sang with a lot of the greats in the 30s and the 40s, like early 40s before my father was born. So Very it was pretty cool. rad. Yeah. Awesome, Absolutely. So, do you have a name for your guitar? Nah, man. I don't have a name for my penis or my guitar. No, I do not. <laughs> okay. That's not bad. So, all right. And then you mentioned about tattoos. You have the tattoo of Jesus. And you mentioned a lot on your tags and posts on social media, for example, on Instagram. Uh, about tattooing. What was your first tattoo? Uh, my first tattoo was a Celtic cross. Um, I used to wear this cross around my neck since like the fifth grade and it kept falling off. So I think I was, uh, 1989, I got my first tattoo. I got a Celtic cross. I hid it from my mom. Even though I lived in my own apartment, I hid it, hid it from her for a couple of years and once she approved it. And once I got some money, I got a whole bunch. My most recent David Osario out of Bergenfield gave me a really perfect Abraham Lincoln tattoo. But that's how I make a living is I work for a company called Painful Pleasures, which sells tattoo supplies. So that's why, like, I just drove home from the Atlantic City Tattoo Convention. Um, I go to a lot of tattoo conventions because, uh, you know, I'm in the tattoo business. That's how I make a living now. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. Huh. Yeah, I had several tattoos. My parents weren't thrilled about me getting tattoos and everything. I'm sure. Jewish and stuff like that. They're like, yeah, yeah. You can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery. I said, I don't even want to be buried. I want to be stuffed. You know? 
So, yeah. So, and then I talked to a rabbi about it when I was living in South Carolina for three and a half years. And he's just like, you have health insurance, right? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, you have life insurance, yeah? I'm like, yeah, I need to. I'm a single dad of two. And he's like, all right, well, if the check clears, I'll bury you wherever you want to be. So, wow. that's right. nice. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, all right. So, let's talk about Vessel of Light and this E.T., uh, do you have a favorite song on the album? On the EP or on the album? Either or. Um, you know what? I don't think I can really... On, on the album, on Vessel of Light Woodshed, I think Beyond the Cellar Door is my favorite. Okay. On the EP, uh, probably Dead Flesh and Bone has secretly become or quietly become my favorite, but um, they're both really fun to play. Uh, live, we played Vessel of... Uh, we, played, uh, we opened up with Dead Flesh and Bone. But uh, Woodshed, I mean, I, I'm actually, there's no song I dislike on the record. Um, End It All is probably one of my least favorites. It's okay. But I do think everything else on Vessel of Light, Woodshed is incredibly strong. Gotcha. Now, when you guys start touring, because I feel that it's definitely going to happen, do you think you'd throw in a 80s or nonfiction tune? Um, Hades wouldn't make any sense because it's like speed metal and Nathan's just not into singing that style. Right. The same thing with nonfiction. I mean, I kind of like to leave all the bands as separate entities. Um, I don't think it would really make sense. And like, you know, you were talking about WSOU before. Yeah. WSOU will not even play Vessel of Light Woodshed. They put us on fucking Street Patrol. Like, we're a local yokel band, man. It's so frustrating. Um, you know, they used to play the shit out of nonfiction, you know. So, yeah, the only time in my life I ever didn't have a job and I was just a musician was in the early 90s when WSOU was playing so much nonfiction. But, uh, mm-hmm. All right, here's a question. Uh, when you're listening to terrestrial radio, because yeah. occasionally terrestrial radio does play, you know, if you do still, or I don't know if you boycott uh, SOU, going back to SOU, but if you did hear a nonfiction and or a Hades song on the, or even your song, that's all a light song on the radio, you turn it up or you turn it off? No, nah, man, last year when WSU was actually playing the first Vessel of Light EP, mm-hmm. when it came on, I, I certainly turned it up and I got incredibly jazzed every time they played. I was really like psyched that they were playing Vessel of Light. Um, so yeah, I've never been, I've never, I mean, I haven't heard myself by chance. Back in the early 90s, nonfiction used to be on the radio so much on SOU that you, like, you couldn't drive more than half an hour without hearing it, but I don't believe I've ever turned it off while I was, you know, driving. Gotcha. Yeah, it was either you guys or American Angel owned Airways over there. Yeah, yeah, you know, they were a good band. See, them I like, actually. They were a good band. Not, yeah. not, you know, a little commercial for me, but I thought if they if they would have worked harder and actually, like, I remember trying to book a show for them in Boston, and I was I was going to get them about 500 bucks, and they told me, well, why should we play in Boston for 500 bucks when we're getting more than that in New Jersey? And I'm like, man, we're fucking driving to Syracuse to play for 200 bucks. You know, like, we nonfiction did whatever we could doesn't matter how far the ride was. We literally would drive to Chicago and play in Chicago and Cleveland, come home. Then the next weekend, drive to Milwaukee and Detroit, come home. Like, we had no problem. Just whatever, wherever we got a show, we just would do it, you know? Um, And American Angel was way more commercial than any music I've ever written, but I felt like they didn't want to really, like, push as hard as it needs to be pushed uh, as far as playing live to get discovered or to get popularity on a nationwide level, you know? Yeah. That's a shame, though, because, like I said, how do you catch the game? Really, really catchy songs. I remember them. Yeah. 
and I still talk to Rocco Fury. I still talk to Steve Evans a little bit here and there. And uh, Eric Pizzarella Manila, the drummer and stuff like that. And, you know, Pete, I see once in a while at a show. So, all right. Now, do you practice every day? No. Um, in the summer, I generally play basketball. Right. And uh, lately, though, I've been, I'm back in songwriting mode. So there was like a 10-year period after the curse room full of shows where I barely picked up guitar. If I did practice, I'd be... You know, I, don't, I'd say, I would say I've never practiced guitar, which is why I'm not that great. Um, I like to play and have fun, so I'll play along with the old Kiss records, like I told you before. So as far as do I ever practice and play scales and work on my playing, absolutely not. Um, it's just not that much fun for me. You know, I'd rather just play as opposed to practice. Gotcha. Now, are you self-taught, or did you actually get lessons? No, I'm pretty much self-taught. I mean, I might have gotten uh, three lessons from a guy who I remember was looked down the block, and I, I wanted to learn Kiss songs, and he wanted to show me how to play Hotel California. And, uh, you know, I didn't really have extra money. Plus, I always felt really weird people showing me how to do things on the guitar. I kind of felt like I was too old. I started playing when I was 15, and I was obviously not too old, but uh, I'm self-taught. Um, I did. I did take two years in high school in music theory and training, uh, music theory and ear ear harmony, ear training, I should say. So in the eleventh and twelfth grade, I actually studied music. I learned how to read music, and I've since forgotten how to read music. But I do remember a lot of musical theory. Sweet. Now, on your downtime, I know you're very happy and married to that very beautiful woman that I've met a couple times. Correct. As far as in, what are your hobbies? You said you play basketball, but what else? Yeah, we travel. Go to basketball again? No, but uh, we travel pretty much like three weeks ago. We slept in, uh, let's see, three weeks ago I was in Hartford, Connecticut. Last weekend I was in Brooklyn. Last night I was in Atlantic City. Next week we fly to Key West. So we travel a lot. I mean, I never go more than like three weeks without sleeping in a hotel. Um, so travel and eating good food. I mean, my wife and I, my wife's a vegetarian. I'm a pescatarian, which means I only eat fish. I don't eat meat. Um, so I like to eat good food and travel a lot. Yeah, we never get sick, honestly, either. Like, never. Like, the last time I was sick was, like, you know, the late 80s. I haven't called that. I haven't called that sick to work since 1988, Steve. That's pretty freaking awesome. Hey, yeah. maybe we should do that. I, do that. I, I, I like burgers and stuff like that not from like Wendy's or McDonald's or anything I like making my own kind of thing alright so and I, 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 like won't, I wouldn't tell you how horrible that is for the environment until you choke your future we'll skip over that alright <laughs> okay absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so alright so you mentioned this quite a bit do you have a favorite Kiss song? Uh, let's see. Watching You, Hotter Than Hell, the live version, Larger Than Life was one of my favorites. Uh, those three, I would say. But, I mean, there's just so many. There's like, you know, like a band like Led Zeppelin or Black Sabbath or Pantera, I love, like, you know, maybe 60% of what they released, whereas the first, like, seven Kiss albums, I literally love every song on every album, you know? Yeah, uh, Kiss Alive I can listen to from front to back I mean maybe I'll skip rock and roll all night because it's played out but I just I fucking love old Kiss man you know I hear you yeah my first Kiss album was Kiss Alive 2 mm, okay and I heard Any Way You Want It and then I oh was, you told me that right right and then yeah okay okay right so, even though it's that. not an original Kiss song it's still yeah. I was just like wow it just like drew me in I don't know I was like 
four and a half, five years old. My brother was playing it, and I was just like, wow. This is really well, cool. I heard I heard Kiss Rock and Roll Over was the first album I heard by them, and I thought it was the greatest hits record, and my friend played it for me. When I came home, I said, hey, man, I want to go buy that Kiss Greatest Hits record. He's like, we don't have a Greatest Hits record. I said, yeah, man, the one you played me with, you know, I Want You and Calling Back. He's like, it's not a Greatest Hits record. It's a regular record. I'm like, that's a regular record? Like, everything is great. So that's how much they blew me away, because... Before that, listening to Peter Frampton or Chicago, you know, loved maybe two or three songs, but The Kiss was the first band that had an album that I knew of that I loved every single song. Awesome. And speaking of Peter Frampton, I was very fortunate and blessed to interview, um, and Jay and I got to talk to John Reagan, the bass player of uh, Three Little Comet, but he also played in Peter Frampton for quite a while. Wow, very cool. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I didn't know that that he, you know, he's been playing with a bunch of other people and things like that. Yeah, I saw him with Ace, I believe, at the Bergen Pack uh, six months ago or so. Oh, right on. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Now, are you friends with any well-known musicians besides your former bandmates? Like, you can call, I don't know, so-and-so um, and say, hey... Yeah, uh, Steve Jane, the bass player from, you know, Danzig, you know Steve, right? He lives, he lives yep. right, right up the road from me. Um, Bobby Blitz from Overkillers was definitely a good friend of mine. Um, I text uh, an email with Rex Brown from Pantera. Um, Pete Steele from Typo Negative he used to call me before he died. We, spoke, we were speaking a bunch. I guess those people would be the top uh, selling artists that I still you know, was friendly with. Right on. Awesome. That's a good question. I like that, Steve. Thank you. No, I wasn't sure because, you know, everybody says, oh, I, I run into this person or I run into this person. I think that's great and everything. But, like, if there's, like, any particular artist that you actually, like, call a friend and you right. call and say, right. hey, let's go grab a bite to eat. You know? Right. Yeah, and, sure. As long as it's not this true. Me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, any advice for any up and coming musician you could give them? Because yeah, like, you've been like, paying your dues and playing forever. Yeah, well, and, and you know, I don't make any money out of it, I make very little money out of it. So you just gotta do what you love. You know, there's I know there's local musicians who gained a little bit of notoriety who try and play what's on the radio and they're always like six months behind or nine months behind the curve. So you just gotta play what you truly love, play something from the heart. Like people would ask me like, Hey man, why can't you write a song like the you know, the first Hades album? Like I just if I tried that it wouldn't come out good, it would sound poor. So just play what you love so that if you don't make any money at it you still have fun. Nice. Okay. And then what's next for Vessel of Light? Can you tell us or is it still kinda of hush hush? Well, we do have an announcement coming out in the next few weeks about a little festival we'll be doing next year. And uh, believe it or not, I'm already starting to write riffs, which I'm really excited about. But we do basically we need people. If they're listening this far into the podcast, you got to go out there and buy Vessel of Light, which because uh, even Steve will tell you it's a great album, and there's nowhere we can do another album if enough people don't buy Vessel of Light, which should. Absolutely. All right. Well, I want to say, and I'm sure Jay would agree, and all the other people that might not know about Vessel of Light, they are going to know about Vessel of Light because I'm against it when it comes to my show. And also, I'll be I'll happy if Jay checks it out after we hang up. I'll be very oh, yeah. happy if Jay does. You definitely will, Jay. You yeah, definitely I definitely will. Thank um, you, Jay. And I just want to say on behalf of my fans and your fans, 
having me. Thank you very much for taking the time. I very much appreciate it. All right. Have a good night. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. Psycho Steve presents. Psycho Steve on Hair Today on Tomorrow every Wednesday on iTunes and SoundCloud. The interview sessions are also on YouTube. Get your merch at Zazzle.com backslash Psycho Steve presents Hair Today Gone Tomorrow. Follow Psycho Steve on all social media platforms. Facebook at Psycho Steve Rocks. Instagram at the underscore real underscore psycho underscore Steve. Twitter at Real Psycho Steve. For requests or dedications or if you're in a band and want us to play your music or be interviewed or for advertising inquiries, email us at Psycho Steve presents at gmail.com. Psycho Steve presents Hair Today Gone Tomorrow is brought to you by Pearlswag Enterprises LLC. Please join Psycho Steve every Wednesday and Friday here on 